Welcome to Yoga Wisdom. Questions about how to live your yoga in daily life answered by Integral Yoga founder Sri Swami Sachidananda. The doubt about the receiving gifts I am repeating it so that everybody what you are asking about. Last night in the Raja Yoga class, we were talking about the different vows according to the Yama. And one of that is not to receive gift. And another one is not to hurt people. So here is the question. If somebody comes forward with a gift, if you don't receive, you will be hurting him. If you receive, you are receiving a gift. So what to do? And can you receive gift with the intention of making use of it for the others? This is the essence of the question. <clears throat> yes, there are two kinds of gifts. The gift that's given to you with sincerity, with true affection, and just for the sake of giving, not expecting anything in return. That is a pure gift. <clears throat> By that gift you are not bound up. So before we even go to say one should not receive gift, why you are asked not to receive gift? Because if the gift is made with the intention of expecting something in return, probably you may all know the income tax verdict of gift, the business gifts. Are you familiar with that? Huh? There, is a, there is a term in the income tax terminology <laughs> Business gifts, they are not really gifts, bribes. <laughs> In the name of gift. People come with a gift, you receive it. Then the following evening they will come with an obligation. So it's an advance for the future expectation or obligation. Those gifts are business gifts. They expect something in return. If you suspect that, that the gift is made with an intention of receiving something in return in some form, either it 
can be kind, cash, or a, a service, something. Then that gift goes as the business gift. And if you receive that, you are under obligation. You are bound up. And that will disturb your mind. And that will as well disturb the mind of the person who made the gift. Because we should remember the aim of Raja Yoga is to keep the mind serene. You should always understand these principles are all the advices given in the name of yoga in this light. That means whatever is done or said should not disturb your mind, should not make you lose the serenity of your mind. So that is why if the gifts are made with some expectation and if you don't respond, then you are upset. Or the person who gives the gift gets upset. That is not a sacred gift. That's not an offering. As I said before, though it is called a gift, it is a bribe or it is a business. Well, that is the human mentality. Even with God, we try to do business. There are many places of worship where you just go and say, Lord, I will light ten candles. If you make me pause in my exam. I may not even open my books, but I must pass. Then you will have ten candles of mine. See? He is giving ten candle power light to God to see through the altar and to see what are all the things kept in front of him. Because without his candle, poor God cannot see what's kept there. Many people go with the offerings, no? Fruits and what not. Huh? So you must light a candle there so that the God can see what are all the things offered to Him. Hmm? It's all the little mentality. Hmm? You give a light to God to see things. Otherwise, He is not capable of seeing. <laughs> it's something like going in search of the sun with a candlelight. <laughs> take a candle and go looking for the sun. Sun, where are you? <laughs> Our human minds are sometimes that narrow, that silly. So when we do this business, even with God, what about the people then? 
That is why if you are careful enough, if you, if you are really interested in keeping up your serenity, be careful about the business gifts. Do not receive. And now I come to the other section. Suppose you refuse and he gets hurt. That itself is the proof that he is giving it to you with some expectation. Otherwise an offering is made, that's all. I have done my duty. I wanted to give you, I gave it. It's up to you. Either take it, leave it, give it to somebody, or trample over it. It's none of my business. It's for my sake, it's for my pleasure I am giving it to you. I don't put any condition on that. See, I am giving you this. You must keep it for years and years and you must use it yourself. That's why sometimes when somebody gives something and he comes after six months, we take that gift and place it on the table eh? as if we are using it every day. So that just to make him happy. <laughs> we do it in our common daily life. We see that. But if that person expects that, then there is expectation behind the gift. So now it's a question of, am I to hurt him or to save my peace? If I accept, then I am obliged, I am bound. If I don't accept, he will be upset. What to do? What will you do? Let him, let him, let him realize that by not accepting, let him understand. You can openly tell him, I say, I can't afford to be obliged. If you are really giving me, just give it and forget it. then I am ready to accept it. Be frank. There's no hypocrisy behind it. Point black. Say you are giving for the sake of giving, for the pleasure of giving, that's all. Okay? If you... I, I don't deny that pleasure, leave it. That's why receiving is not done in the case of uh, say in the, in the case of offering something in the altar or offering something to a person whom you revere. You don't give it in his hands. He doesn't receive it from you. Instead, you go there, place it in front. That is the idea behind it. You don't even give it in his hand. You just go there, place it there. I'm just offering it. That's all. It's a token of love, devotion. 
and on your point also make sure that you receive it for the sake of others not for your personal use if a person lives completely for the sake of others if it is a dedicated life he can receive anything and everything and his conscience will say that he is not receiving for himself because ultimately he is going to use it for the sake of others because his entire life is dedicated then he has no obligation even if some person is expected expect something in return he is not obliged he will never get upset over it he will not lose his serenity so until you build up that serenity you must be careful once you build it up let anybody bring anything to you all right oh you brought it leave it there let it be right in his presence you may say come son i think you need this more than i come on take it you give it to him and you gently look at his face you will be seeing something in his face right in his presence then you tell him see you gave it for some other purpose huh don't have any motive behind think that it is, he is also me i'm not different than him he needs this more than me so he is using it think that i am using it through him you can advise him you are not obliged by it so until you build up that strength not to get upset not to lose the serenity you must be careful so these vows are mostly for the aspirants one who is treading the path but once you reach the goal once you build up yourself that strength when you become perfect then there is no do or don't nothing can shake you you become a hurricane light you know the hurricane light as long as you are a candle light you must safeguard yourself behind a chimney not to go out of the doors not to face even a gentle breeze but once you fortify yourself very well you can even take it to into the sea to face the storm and hurricanes so in the beginning we must be careful and that hurt will not disturb your mind and it is not a sin on the other hand you you teach them some lesson because your hurt is not intentionally made with a personal motive so we should understand the ahimsa in that sense because it is impossible to live without hurting something or somebody but even hurting somebody should have 
a greater motive, a good motive behind. For example, in a classroom, if a teacher uses a strong word, a harsh word, on a student who didn't study his lessons well, he may be hurting his mind. But for what? Why? For his own benefit. It's not going to make the teacher happy. But if he doesn't be strict, the student may not learn. So with the proper motive, you can hurt. And it is no more classified as himsa. That is why even in the name of Ahimsa you can kill. If your motive is okay. We must have the proper motivation. Otherwise, Ahimsa means not to kill anybody, not to hurt anybody. Suppose all of a sudden, just imagine, I was about to give an example. Somebody just walks in. He rushes into the hall. A person completely insane, fully drunk, with a gun in the hand. And he starts aiming on you. What will you do? And if probably there is a policeman here with another gun. What should the policeman do? Will he go, go and preach ahimsa to him? He can. He can threaten him. Hey, unless you drop the revolver, I am going to shoot you. If everything fails, if he starts shooting, what will you do? You have to shoot him down. It is himsa. But to avoid more himsa to innocent people. If there is no other way, that you must remember. If everything fails to disarm him, to prevent him from doing that, to prevent him from killing others, and if this is the only way to kill him, you have to do it. If you do not do it, you are committing a crime. You are doing something wrong. So, ahimsa should be understood in the proper way, in the proper light. Ahimsa is not for a coward, for a weakling. No. If somebody comes and slaps on your face, oh, I want to be ahimsa, so that's why I didn't beat him in return. You can say that when you have the strength to give him ten blows at a time, 
you must have the strength and then smile at him. Oh, all right, you are a puny little creature. <laughs> you came and... <laughs> you see my hands? Suppose I give him, give you one, where will you be? You will go to pieces. But, no, don't do this hereafter. Go. Then that is Ahimsa. You must have the strength and you should not use it in the name of Ahimsa. Otherwise everybody can say, Oh, I follow Ahimsa, I follow Ahimsa. If you do not follow, what will you do? Have you the capacity to strike at him? No. So that's why a strong man, a real strong man is the proper man to observe Ahimsa. Because he will know his strength and he will know the strength of the other man and he will just smile at him. <laughs> Innocent man, he didn't know my strength. <laughs> Thank God he came to me. If he had gone to somebody else, he might have received something more. Let him go. Advise him and send him away. So, causing himsa by the way of teaching something to somebody, for his sake, for the benefit of the other people, for the humanity, is not himsa. It is your duty. That is the duty of the Kshatriya, the protector. That is what the kings were doing. The duty of the king is the Kshatriya. He is the protector of the country. That's why he has an army. As a king he has to do it. Otherwise why should he rule the country? Dushta nigraha sista paripalana says. Dushta means the evil doers. The vicious people. Sista means the virtuous people. So the vicious people must be punished. And the virtuous people must be protected from the vicious people. That is the duty of the king. So if he punishes somebody for his crime, he is not hurting that man. He is teaching him a lesson. So that won't come under himsa. Because the motive is good. So, we should understand these vows in the proper light. Then it is easy for us to follow. Thanks for listening to this Integral Yoga Multimedia Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe. For more information on Sri Swami Satchidananda and Integral Yoga, please visit us online at integralyoga.org.